Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. My name is Jessica from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that helps you learn how to grow your own farmer's market using natural and organic methods to increase your harvest, increase the health of your plants, and find every bit of joy that you can out in the garden. Today we're talking about, once again, one of my favorite things, companion planting, but this time we are specifically looking at how to add it into your fall garden. We've spent the last few weeks talking about fall gardening from what exactly it is, how it's different than your summer garden, why you should give it a try, some of the best crops to start with, and why in the world you should be thinking about it when chances are you have cucumbers and tomatoes coming out of your ears still. Well, with today's strategies, hopefully it will inspire you to choose some of those fall crops that we talked about last week and get them going in your garden using some good pairings that will make it easier to keep everything going strong through the fall into the winter up until next spring. In case this is your first episode here, then first off, welcome to the show. I love doing this show. I love sharing some of my tips and experience, some of my failures over the years, and connecting with gardeners just like you. So welcome. And if you have been here for a little while, then you know how much I love companion planting and using it as one of my main growing methods in my garden. If it's a new concept to you, if you're one of those new listeners, then companion planting in a nutshell is using strategic planting methods to allow plants to benefit from each other. So planting instead of one row of lettuce, one row of green beans, one row of tomatoes, one row of parsley, instead you mix all of those plants up so that they can benefit from each other, they can share space together, they can stagger their harvest season or harvest period together with the end benefit of likely having less disease, fewer pests, more diversity, both in the plants and in the soil, uh, attracting pollinators, beneficial insects, and to me, just looking prettier because chances are you've got some flowers mixed up in there. So in the fall garden, we are going to take advantage of all those things I just mentioned from staggering your harvest period to trying to benefit the soil of the different plants. And in some cases, we are even going to rely a little bit on the structures of the various plants. And I'll get into what I mean with that. Fall gardening is a slightly different beast than summer gardening for lots of different reasons. But in this case, specific to companion planting, there is less reliance on flowers with your companions. I use a ton of flowers in my garden from sunflowers to alyssum, nasturtiums, calendula, lots of different types because I benefit so much from the pollinators, the beneficial insects, and the birds that they attract to the garden. But unfortunately, I typically I try to plan to have flowers in the fall, but since I moved in June, I don't have as much of a garden as I typically do or as established of a garden, we'll say. And so in the fall, this fall, I'm relying more on the vegetable and herb pairings that I can do as opposed to just kind of a a blanket statement flower patch that brings in some of those natural predators that I mentioned, whether that's a parasitic wasp or an, an oriole coming to eat the army worms on my tomatoes.
So some of the ways that we can then use companion planting in the fall garden is to think about which plants will grow well together, either because they are using different nutrients from the soil or because they, as I mentioned, provide a structure for the other one or because their harvest period can stagger enough that the the benefit really is to you because you can fit more than one productive crop in the same space. Now I'll give an example of all of those things. So for sharing space and benefiting from different, from taking different nutrients from the soil, we're going to look at snap peas and lettuce. Snap peas or snow peas or shelling peas, they're all in what's known as the legume family. Uh, peas and beans are, are both legumes. And they have a unique ability to, it's called fixing nitrogen into the soil. Basically, part of the 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 root system of the peas can convert some of its growth, some of its energy into nitrogen and deposit it into the soil through its root system. Nitrogen is a macronutrient that is responsible for the green leafy growth of crops such as lettuce or arugula, kale, anything that that produces a leaf as its main crop, as opposed to something like a tomato, where it has a fruit that you harvest. And so by pairing peas and lettuce together, they benefit each other because they're using different nutrients from the soil. The peas have a nice long taproot, so they grow deeper roots and they grow vertically up a trellis or an arbor, whatever you're, you're planting them against. And they put that nitrogen in the soil. So now let's say you put some lettuce seeds at the foot of the peas to, to grow at the same time. Lettuce have a very shallow root system compared to peas. So they're growing on different levels in the soil. So they're not really directly competing with each other for space, for water, or as I mentioned, nutrients. And the lettuce will also grow out nice and bushy and shade the soil where the the peas are coming up from, which will suppress weeds and also keep the soil nice and cool because peas prefer cool soil to grow in, as does lettuce. So they, they both benefit from that. And fortunately, the lettuce will also benefit from that nitrogen I mentioned that the peas are producing as they grow, which they need because the main crop, obviously, of lettuce is nice green leaves. So this is a perfect example of we aren't looking at pest or disease prevention with this pairing, but rather boosting each crop in its growth, its production, its vigor, and its health, general health in the garden. You could do the same thing even in the summer, honestly, with something like beans, which is also a legume. And then either a heat-tolerant lettuce variety or arugula that handles the heat better, mizuna, another green that can do better in the the warm temperatures of summer. This is a a classic pairing of a legume and a leafy green in the garden, whether it's summer or, or fall. But for fall, it's particularly helpful because there are somewhat fewer combinations that we might take advantage of because there are relatively fewer crops that we're growing. Another way you can use companion planting in the fall garden, as I mentioned, is structurally. And what I mean by that is taking advantage of the different levels that plants grow at. Very similar to what I just mentioned with the lettuce and the peas, where one crop grows up, the other crop either grows at ground level or into the ground. So for something like 
carrots that grow down into the soil, you can pair them with something that grows up and they complement each other on their growing levels. So you could pair carrots with something like, again, lettuce or arugula or kale, anything really that is going to be up off the ground. I would not pair it with something like peas because those peas have such a long taproot. Um, when you pull the carrots out, you might be disturbing the roots of the peas. It wouldn't kill the pea plant, nothing like that, but it might cause it, it might stunt it a little bit and put it under just a smidgen of stress. And there are plenty of other crops to choose from. So I wouldn't put a root crop with, with the peas or anything else with a deep taproot system. But you could put your carrots, even with onions that grow uh, relatively more shallow compared to carrots. And carrots and onions have another benefit of the onions can disguise the carrots from certain pests, such as the rust fly, because the as the rust fly is searching for the carrot plants, it can't smell them over the smell of the onions. And so that's an additional benefit that you could have, as well as the shared growing space that I was just mentioning. So a little side note benefit there. Another way that you can take advantage of the different, we'll call them levels of of growth space is something like cabbage or broccoli or cauliflower that is a very large plant at maturity, but takes a longer amount of time to get there. And then you can pair that with a shorter plant. So say you're putting a, a broccoli in your garden and you put your your little seedling out and it will eventually start to spread out to where it's taking up probably a, a two foot wingspan in the garden. But until it gets to that point, you've got plenty of room in the couple of feet between your plants where you can put, again, lettuce uh, because it's such a versatile crop. You can really tuck lettuce in anywhere in the garden where there's room. You could even put uh, a calendula seedling because calendulas are a little bit more cold tolerant than some other flowers. So you could try to get some last minute blooms out of that. And by the time the frost comes and kills the calendula, the cabbage will, or the broccoli, will uh, just then be needing that extra space. And so instead of leaving the soil bare or even just covering it with a mulch while you're waiting for that broccoli to kind of fill out the bed, you can use that space for a different crop. Leafy greens, those quick-growing, somewhat cold-tolerant flowers like a calendula, a marigold, you could try a nasturtium and see what happens if the frost kills it or if you're able to get any blooms out of it. Um, You could definitely put in something like cilantro or parsley that will grow over time, but not it'll it'll finish its growth before the, the frost and before the broccoli needs all that space. So it's a good way to especially if you're growing in a smaller uh, area or maybe you're growing containers, it's a great way to double up your space usage with companion planting where they will still benefit from each other for other reasons as well. I hope that makes sense. In my mind, I'm visualizing like the, the floors of a building and the basement is something, say a carrot, the ground level floor is a lettuce, and then the second, third and up floors are something taller like cabbage, peas, you know, anything that's growing up a trellis. So that's how I visualize it in my mind. And this brings us right into planting together crops in a way that you're harvesting one before the other. So 
this applies to the lettuce and cabbage example I just gave, but it can also apply to something like radishes and carrots or even radishes and beets. Now, these crops are both root crops and they occupy the same growing zone, but one matures much more quickly than the other one. And so you can, again, double up on that space. So say you have your your row or your grid where you want to plant your beets. And those are going to take a couple months to come to full maturity. Or if you're overwintering them with something like a carrot, then they're going to be in there for a while. And what you can do is intersperse radish seeds, something that is very fast growing in about a month, in between those beets or those carrots. So by the time the carrots or the beets need more space to to mature and get bigger, you're pulling those radish out so that they are not in the way. And they're also loosening up the soil a little bit for the the carrots that are coming through or the beets. Um, And you haven't lost that space from a slow growing crop. And if you're wondering, well, why is it different to pull a radish away from a carrot, which is essentially a deep tap root, um, but you just told me not to do that for the peas, that's a good point. And I don't have really a great explanation other than to say it works because I've done it and I've read it in lots of gardening books recommending that pairing. So I suppose it's as simple as because the carrots are well established in the soil at that point that pulling out a radish uh, doesn't doesn't disturb it or stunt it. Um, whereas I've always heard don't disturb pea seeds or it's not pea seeds, pea roots, um, such as starting them indoors and transplanting them. So maybe one of those pieces of gardening dogma that I need to actually look at and decide, does that apply? Does it affect my garden at all? And should I even worry about it? Um, so maybe a little side note, food for thought. One other little thing I wanted to mention about companion planting in the fall is there are likely to be fewer pests flying around or crawling, attacking your plants. So companion planting in the fall for me personally is more about saving space and getting those other beneficial relationships uh, to between different plants like the um like the peas and the lettuce, as opposed to pest and disease prevention, because things tend to be a little bit calmer in the fall garden. There aren't as many aphids as the hornworms are gone off your tomatoes. The cabbage moths, well, those guys will always be around. So row covers are good for them. Um, But in general, there is less pest damage in the fall. And so if I can use companion planting to boost the growth of plants, whether through the lettuce getting nitrogen from the peas or the carrots appreciating the loose soil that the radish has left behind, then I will still take advantage of that even if I'm not seeing the zinnias bring in the parasitic wasps that are then going to go and eat the caterpillar moths that would otherwise survive. So your benefits of companion planting might look a little different, but the benefits are definitely still there, and it's worth giving it a shot throughout the season and seeing Does it make a difference? Does it help my garden? Do I run those little experiments that I just mentioned of putting carrots at the feet of or radish at the feet of peas and seeing does disturbing the soil actually help or harm my peas? You never know. It might find you might find that there's a new practice that you bring into your gardening season thereafter that you weren't aware of before. 
And I will leave you with that for today. If you are still getting your garden going, don't forget that in the show notes, I have a link to a planting chart for you where you can plug in your first fall frost date and figure out when exactly you should be planting things, when you can still start crops from seed, or you are better off finding a seedling at this point in the season. It can help you get organized, avoid missing those planting dates, and take a little bit of the overwhelm of starting your fall garden off your table or off your plate, I should say. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you next week.